Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the wonderful Tasha Richards-Crisp. We are talking about coming to the end of the PhD process. We're talking about managing different priorities, but mainly we're talking about how to turn your PhD into a business. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Tasha. Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I have to confess, as we begin, that we do know each other. Um, I've had the pleasure of um, getting to know you on your on your PhD journey, um, and we just worked together on the the PhD twelve week sprint because um, you are in the phase now where you are. There's a full draft there. Um, Yay! I know. Hooray! <laughs> you do have to take a moment. And go hooray! And um, hooray to all the first drafters out there. Um, and um, so you are really on the home straight now, um, which is awesome. But you're not here to talk about that today. Actually, you're here to talk about um, PhD and business, which we'll get into in in a minute. But what I do first of all always is, is ask people to tell us a little bit about their story. So tell us about your PhD journey. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me on here today, Emma. I am an avid listener of the podcast. So it really is it really is a privilege to be here today talking with you. Um so a little bit about my journey. Well, I first started um really thinking about applied theatre, so using theatre for social change when I did an MA at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. Mm. And though I'd used a bit of theatre in um, schools and community settings during my undergraduate, it was here that I really learned the skills, the knowledge, and actually gained confidence in Mm. using applied theatre and understanding more of the theory behind it as well. Mm. Mm. And then I went away travelling, which was incredible. (laughs) It was very lovely. And during that time, I worked with a company called the Theatre and Health Education Trust, who are based in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And they have a program called SexWise, and that provides sexual health advice and workshops and performances for young people in New Zealand. And it was through that experience that I realised that it wasn't just applied theatre generally that I was super passionate about. It was using it to ask questions about sex and relationships and how it wasn't just the participants that were learning but it was me the facilitator I learned so much about myself during those two years and about the world and I wanted to look at how that could work further so I started looking at other ways that theatre was being used for sex and relationship education I looked back to the UK where I'm from and it got me looking at doctoral programs and mm-hmm. I started researching what that would look like. I was still abroad living in Australia at the time and I was extremely happy and proud to secure a funded studentship with the Arts and Humanities Research Council at the University of Essex. Yay! I'd never been, yay! <laughs> I'd never been to Essex. Oh, <laughs> I, um... see, I'm an Essex girl. 
So, so good, good place, good part of the country to choose. It's wonderful. I love being there now, but it definitely was uh, a new experience, right. not just for me, but my now husband, who right. had never been Essex either. <laughs> we <laughs> came came over from Australia back to the UK to start to start studying and. Yeah, the research is looking at applied theatre approaches to relationship and sex education, but through a feminist lens. And I have had an incredible time doing this research, but also a challenging time. It's um, the journey hasn't been easy. Mm. The UK went into lockdown during my time doing the PhD. And that was at a time that the participants were due to perform to their peers, wow. to their parents, to their staff yeah. at the institution. And that was really difficult. Um, but the research design shifted. It changed. It was adaptable, flexible. And then at the end of 2021, I got to perform a show that I wrote during the lockdown based on these workshops that I did with these incredible young people and mm. all of their amazing insights and hard work that I'd done prior to the pandemic I channeled into writing this show and and that's kind of where we're at now is writing up all of this rich data and as you said there is a first draft (laughs) and uh, it's not it's not finished yet it's still in um, the editing stages but I I feel really proud to see what it could look like so yeah that's been my journey so far oh gorgeous and there's so much in there and I I think first of all to just recognize because there may well be people there listening at the moment who's going oh my goodness look I'm I'm gonna have to re I'm gonna have to re-look at everything again something's happened and actually where I thought I was going with my research it isn't where it's going which happened to you in terms of what can I do with this and knowing that it's possible. It's possible to reframe. It's possible to reformulate, and it's possible to get that come out of that moment and get it to the fight. You know, to a draft of a, of a PhD. That's brilliant. Definitely. I wonder Definitely. if you. Um, I wonder if you have any tips on that moment. Anything you'd say to yourself now if you were looking back at that? Ooh, that's a great question. I guess a tip I'd have for myself is to let myself mourn more and right. not feel ashamed right. for feeling that sadness. Right. Um, and that you don't have to bounce back immediately because of right. that, have that mourning period, because the PhD is an emotional journey as well as an intellectual one. And I think I was potentially too hard on myself at the time of not having all of the answers immediately when things changed. Um and also that there was a sense of loss of all this wonderful work that had happened with the young people um, that couldn't look exactly the same. And yeah, I think allowing myself to sit in that and and feel those feelings. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, and yeah, it is very emotional. And and yes, feeling the feelings. Um, but knowing that you can, this is this that doesn't mean the end. Doesn't mean the end. Exactly. Um, and the other thing I love in this story is this kind of this interweaving of um, of the theory and the practice. So there's this sense of of both of that 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 them dynamically informing each other. Um, 
which I'm hoping is going to segue neatly segue us into into you <laughs> taking your research um, and and making a business out of it. So tell us tell us a bit about that. How what what what's that all about? Yeah, so running at Walls, who's the business uh, short form raw, and um, we provide workshops and performances specializing mostly around consent education Mm. and we're looking at using theater and creative methods to empower our participants to question to challenge to explore ideas all around consent in a safer environment because there's always risk so safer environment but um the thing that Raw is doing with that is believing that these conversations should be happening at all levels of society. So even though some of my work happens in schools, um, which a lot of education around these topics um, is happening, but also in universities, in business settings, and and that that is important too. But Mm. how we started was uh, originally it was with another PhD student, Gemma Connell, and I met Gemma at a Chase Feminist Network conference uh, as part of our PhD journeys. And from our conversations, I know, and from our conversations on the break, we realised that we both have a passion for using theatre to end intimate violence and to increase understandings of consent. That was our research areas, but Gemma's was in dance and mine was in theatre. So we said, let's go for a drink after the conference. And we sat and talked and then came up with a potential idea for a workshop. And that's how Running at Walls was born. Love that. Everything happens on coffee breaks, right? (laughs) All the (laughs) good stuff. All All the good stuff. Exactly. Exactly. And um, we developed it then together. We developed pilot workshops that were both in person and online. Even during the pandemic, we were working and we received some funding and some mentorship from different sources, which helped us to hone those skills, knowledge and confidence in developing a business. Our Mm. expertise were in dance and theatre, but not running a business. Um, And as part of that... Sorry, that was just what I was going to ask you in terms of, so did you have ex- a business experience before? No, I didn't right. have any. Right. Gemma had some, um, but I didn't have any. And I actually undertook a course through the School of Social Entrepreneurs, which I Ooh. think are incredible. And I found that course invaluable for me for gaining the, that knowledge and right. skills. right. But also for meeting other people, um, there was a group of women that I worked on the course with and they were all so inspirational and they were also learning alongside me and we still have a very active WhatsApp group. Amazing. (laughs) That that was great. And um, yeah, and then Gemma stepped back from Running at Wars in January 2022 and since then I've been running the company on my own and I've delivered workshops at universities and in schools. And at the minute, I'm working on a project in collaboration with the Uni of Essex and Essex County Council. So we're running workshops um, with men aged over 50 and we're exploring attitudes towards women and thinking about how those might have changed over time. Um, mm. So, mm. yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Wow. So... 
let's just let's just take a moment because so you're running a business and doing all the business aspect of that and I, and that I know is a massive learning curve um and then and then you're delivering as well so you're not only doing that business side you're delivering and doing the practical work and you're doing the PhD at the same time <laughs> yes it is a one woman show <laughs> so so talk to me about that how how does that work so I would definitely say that's the most challenging thing about running the business alongside the PhD. Right. I am trying to balance my time and my priorities in these two roles, which mm. are predominantly alone. Mm. And that can be particularly difficult when you're poorly. So there's no right. one to cover you. Right. There's no one to write your PhD for you when right. you get sick. Right. There's no one for me in the business to cover that and that can be that can be really challenging um and as you said doing it alongside all of these other priorities um can can be hard and teaching yourself how to do a cash flow and how to like your taxes and all of these things that I didn't learn prior to doing the business um are all of all a learning curve as well yes I mean I certainly found that and it doesn't come to me it doesn't come naturally to me all of that I wonder how it was for you in terms of was it thrilling entering this new world (laughs) or was uh how how was it at times overwhelming Mm. it wasn't necessarily always areas I had an interest in which made those some of the tasks more difficult than others right. <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> but also a real sense of pride in learning something that was completely outside of my comfort zone and branching out into those different areas and in a way that really linked with applied theatre practice in the interdisciplinary nature of applied theatre and yes. understanding things that are completely different or you haven't set foot into before whether that be context or topic or working with different kinds of participants so in that side of it I found it very thrilling I loved getting my teeth into learning about this new environment and experiencing this new environment that what that I was the visitor to that I was the outsider to and that was fantastic Love that, and your passion as you as you talk about it, your passion is really clear. Um, and of course, there's there's a lot of anxiety within um for for um postgraduate researchers in terms of you know what what will their job be, and you've made yourself a job, right? You've made yourself work that you can step into, which is amazing, which is amazing. Um, and this sense of work that really links to your research. So I wonder if you could say a little bit more about then how how is your research um how does how does that play out in the in the work you're doing? I, I think for me that's the most rewarding part of running the business alongside the PhD is seeing that research come to life in the public domain mm. and witnessing firsthand the impact on participants. Now, I do, I'm a practices research 
student. And so I do already have an element of that within my doctoral journey, but doing it on a wider scale, doing it in a way that isn't just with the research questions in mind or kind of thinking of it as the data and and the write-up. And it raises further questions then for the research. It's this symbiotic relationship where I can learn from the business to help the PhD and vice versa. And that is wonderful and means that I don't always see them as separate entities. I see them as part of my passion altogether. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. And really, this is the kind of ideal thing, isn't it? that you you have this topic that you're called to and you're able to elaborate that in a way that serves a community um, and that serves you too in terms of, you know, providing you with employment and, um, and fulfilment. Love it. I love it. So I'm assuming because of the way that you're talking about it, you'd, you'd kind of recommend this as a, as a, um, a pathway. Um, I'm imagining also with caveats. yes definitely I wouldn't want to paint a rose tinted picture of this journey it definitely has its challenges some of which I've mentioned already Um, but I do think that for all of those challenges the gifts that it brings as well as the tangible benefits as you mentioned Emma you're creating your own work we Mm. are as doctoral students potentially thinking ahead to what will we do next and that can be scary that can be uh, intimidating to think about what the landscape will look like or um, when will that begin and one of the things that I found really valuable about running the business alongside the PhD is it's reduced for me some of that anxiety of the PhD ending and having to think of it as a new beginning completely because Mm. I'm already doing the work that will come after the PhD it's starting so it doesn't need to be this clear-cut end and then new it's it's happening now I love it I love it and I love that they that that if if this is something that people are interested in of course we'll have your details in terms of Seeing, seeing what you're up to in the in the show notes but I'm, I'm going to see if we do you think school of social entrepreneurs will have a link that we can put in I mean there are lots of there are lots of um organizations aren't there that can support people if if this is something that they want to explore as a as a PhD researcher definitely and I'd be more than happy to speak with anyone that wanted to get in touch about my journey um and to talk through anything that we've talked about today in more detail and just to be a sounding board as well because as I said it can be isolating Mm. and that the the PhD journey already is something that predominantly is carried out alone and so to think about setting off on another journey which may potentially be predominantly alone as I said I started actually with another person so it doesn't have to be this could be something that you do with someone else but if it is that you're looking to do it on your own all that happens down the line like it did with me um having that support network and people that you can 
speak to about what you're thinking to bounce ideas off then that's that's really helpful and I'm happy to be that to anyone that doesn't feel that they have that in some other area of their life bless you you are so gorgeous and generous spirited um and a lucky person if they do want um some mentorship from you um or lucky people actually (laughs) she might be overwhelmed I hope not um uh so so right then uh, we always ask for some top tips um well a top tip um and we've I know we've already got we've already had a lot of good stuff um from you but I wonder if there's anything that you would draw out or add to in terms of thoughts to leave us with one thing I'd love people listening to think about if they are thinking about developing a business is what is that gap in the market that you might identify in the same way you're identifying the gap in the research field. We are skilled at this. We know how to do this. We are doing this in our research, knowing the field, identifying those gaps, thinking about where you sit alongside other people. Those skills, that knowledge is invaluable to creating a business. So if you're not sure where to start, start there. Use the skills you already have, use the passions you already have, the look into the field you already know about. This isn't starting from scratch. This is you using what you already know to begin that business. Love that. I love that. Um and I guess my others are more building on some things I've already said. Yeah, yeah. Find your support network. Yes. Draw out those connections. And that doesn't need to be a course. It can be. The School of Social Entrepreneurs is outstanding. Can't recommend them enough, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be friends. It can be family members. It can be colleagues at your institution. Um, but find those people that are going to lift you up, that are going to make you feel like you can do this and remain flexible during that journey one of my favorite quotes comes from Matt Haig and he says to create a routine that's baggy enough to live in and I absolutely love that and I (laughs) baggy enough to live in I love it I love it it reminds me of a really comfy pair of yes. trousers yes. that you yes. that you uh, want to be practical, that you want to take you out into your life and to carry out your life, but that you feel comfortable within. And I think, think of that in how you create your business as well. It doesn't need to look like anyone else's business in the same way a PhD does not need to look like anyone else's PhD. Create the the routines the way it's set up if you don't want to do something don't do it make it work for you amazing amazing this is brilliant I'm very inspired um Tasha thank you so much for this um and you are awesome um and yes truly inspirational in all that you're in all that you're doing and I just love the way that you are bringing together your research and practice and serving serving a community with that how amazing is that um thank you so so much for your time thank you all for listening thank you so much for having me today emma and thank you for listening everyone i hope it was helpful 